Discussing the old dreaded sea dog psychological melodrama, The Lighthouse. <laughs> this is There Would Be Podcast. My name is Pilar. And my name is Ryan. And this week we'll, we're talking about The Lighthouse. <laughs> if you could not tell by my accent. <laughs> the Lighthouse is the tall tale of two wikis, one old and one young, who tend to a rickety old lighthouse somewhere off the New England coast in the late 1800s. As the weeks drag on, the two men get along less and less, but also sometimes more, uh, until eventually they either miss their ferry off the island or it doesn't come at all due to a horrible nor'easter storm which blows in. Uh, what ensues theraf- thereafter is insanity, potentially literally, as they lose track of time, lose all trust in each other, and eventually lose even their lives. Nicely put. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So we got two characters in yes. this one. Thankfully, it's not a jam-packed film with actors. So the two characters we have, uh, we have Young, also Adrian Winslow, a.k.a. Thomas Howard, uh, <laughs> is played by Robert Pattinson. And uh, Young is just a young reserved man looking to get uh, looking to get a fresh start in a new job, hopefully to... A, ultimately achieve um a quaint life um in a house by himself yeah yeah he keeps to himself really yes Uh, um and then we have thomas wake aka old um he is played by willem dafoe and he is um a worn sailor who is bound to his lighthouse for better or for worse Uh, yes yes obsessed Uh, with it (laughs) uh yeah yeah so let's uh talk about kind of their characteristics okay and then yeah. we can go from there i think so uh y- you mentioned ephraim or winslow is what he's typically referred to in the yes. movie uh he is reserved he is also uh like uh, subservient is that the right word yeah like he's almost uh just does what he's told pretty much yeah so so wake or thomas wake or He's really just referred to as Icer in the, right. in the whole movie. Um, uh, he is like the longtime lightkeeper, the wiki, the wiki of this lighthouse. Yes. Uh, he writes in like the lightkeeper's journal, mm-hmm. uh, keeping tabs on what on happens. his like well on his like new helpers and like what they can achieve and how they can further in yeah. in the wiki kind of system yeah. Um, so him, uh, Wake, or how do you want to refer to it? Um, I like old and young. Okay, so the old man. Yes. Uh, he is very superstitious. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, classic, like. He's, like, deep into, like, sea lore, pirate kind of mythology. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's, like, really deep into, like, things, uh, like, what is... You know when people like see signs where they're like, "Oh, I saw a butterfly. That means somebody died." You know, uh, yeah. like that kind of stuff. Like there, he's really deep into that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, we see that when um, he witnesses Young starting to kind of uh, like belittle the seagulls that are around him. He's like, uh, "You shouldn't be messing with those seagulls because those are old uh, sailors who met their maker. So yeah. uh, they know what they're doing. You leave them alone." Yeah, yeah. It's also uh, bad luck to leave a toast untoasted. I right. Know, I, I mean, I, I feel it. like that is something that, like, regular people feel now, though. Because hmm. you're not supposed to toast somebody with an empty glass, or else that's bad luck, too. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Well, also, Winslow doesn't adhere to these superstitions very... Right. Uh, it's like, like, I don't know, their dynamic has a lot of different layers to Yeah, it. he's like a logical man um, versus old is more like whimsical as far as like his belief system. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where uh, Young is like just kind of coming into the world um, <laughs> uh, as like a straight, as the straight man almost you know like he's like hard-headed but like he's he's well reserved and like and what's the word well-mannered and hard-working like he he only knows that he needs to do what he's told 
and doesn't kind of feel outside of that. Yeah. But he knows his limits. Like, there's that certain, like, scene where he's like, all right, look, I cleaned up this house. I know I cleaned up this house. Like, you can't be berating me like I'm some dog. Yeah. And then uh, Willem Dafoe is just, like, goes off on this giant tyrant. (laughs) Like, I'm obsessed with the way that uh, Old talks, especially when he's, like, in the heat of the moment because he, like, just has like these curses like ready on him yeah, and he's just yeah. like bah, 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 and yeah. i hope you like die in a hole and blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> but he like makes it so poetic like he's he's like cursed people before and he like really deeply <laughs> believes in the words that he's saying and it's it's just so crazy watching him speak <laughs> <laughs> so according to robert egger uh just the way that uh willem dafoe was so deeply immersed in his character um with the lobster uh, monologue where he asked young if he he was like you don't like me lobster <laughs> <laughs> um he apparently just like dove into that like monologue so that inviscerating,ly I guess is the okay. word like uh, that he passionately yeah passionately that he he got it on the first shot and he, he uh, Robert Egger said that he did not witness Willem Dafoe blink a single time within those two <laughs> minutes trying to, <laughs> trying to curse uh, Young again for this I think it's for the second or third time at this point like yeah it's so crazy. Yeah, the lobster curse is the one that foretells um, how uh, Winslow dies. Right. Um, he, like, curses him to death mm. because he didn't like his cooking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's let's get into the mythology of it. Okay. Because I feel like the, the backbone of the movie is really the mythology that it's built on. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Along with the mythology, we can talk about their dynamic as well. Okay. All right. So just to go down the line. So we have um, the little sculpture uh-huh. um, that the... that Winslow finds of the mermaid. The mermaid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's called a scrimshaw. Uh-huh. <laughs> a scrimshaw? Yeah. It's typically like a carving of like whalebone. Okay. Uh, cool. So that's what that is. All right. Um Okay, so mermaids and sirens, I think everybody pretty much knows that they right. they uh, lure sailors um, to shipwreck on on, on rocks, on and, rocks yeah. and stuff, uh, typically with like a song or something. Mm-hmm. And their beauty. Yeah, and their beauty. Um, okay, so Neptune. Uh, Neptune is almost out of place because he's a Roman God, uh, yeah. He's the Roman god equivalent of Poseidon. Uh, Poseidon, yeah. right. Um, however, Neptune is typically referred mainly, it's almost like, don't say Poseidon, I guess. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. It's almost like Poseidon's like his Christian name, and you can't know that. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like that. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, so of course, Neptune is Poseidon, basically. Okay, so uh, we have Triton. He is the son of Poseidon. Uh, he's often de- depicted with a conch shell, mm-hmm. and he's typically like the messenger, right. almost, or like the herald. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, Triton will communicate to Poseidon the wrongs that you have done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, um, uh, okay, so Proteus, mm-hmm. uh, he, yeah. Homer refers to Proteus as the old man of the sea. Okay. Um, typically, he can foretell the future, and he can also shape shift. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, to me, that's pretty obvious that that older Willem Dafoe is the Proteus figure. Right. You can um, see that in the way that he speaks to uh, yeah. to Young, where he's constantly changing his story or changing the narrative of what uh, Winslow remembers. I guess. Yeah, and then we also have a couple of like uh, shape shifty type uh, scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one where Winslow, I guess, like sneaks up. Oh yeah, he he forgot his cigarettes. Oh yeah, yeah. he forgot his cigarettes. He couldn't go to sleep without a little cigarette before before bed. <laughs> <You> know, like... <laughs> he forgot his cigarettes <laughs> up at the. Um, I guess like oil input mm-hmm. of, of the, the, the lighthouse lamp, lamp. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets up there. It's late. 
and all he sees is basically like uh, old, um, like naked and like laying up yeah, there. And like... Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, he has like one eye on me. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and there's some like you see like some some like serpenty tentacly thing mm-hmm. like, like slither through the grate, and it's right. It's really strange. And then we have Prometheus, mm-hmm. who is typically referred to as the god of fire um he is the uh figure in greek mythology who molded humans from clay okay yeah, yeah. and then gave Definitely. humans fire right to build like civilization, civilization. Yeah. yeah um so the thing that really stands out about him is that zeus uh sentenced him to like eternal torment mm-hmm. uh he was supposed to be bound to rocks and then an eagle would come and eat his liver like, oh, yeah. like every day yeah. overnight his liver would regrow and then mm-hmm. you'd have to relive it every day dude that's crazy though to think that they I don't know if it's if it's like verbatim their liver but like that they like knew that internally your liver regrows because right is that right that your liver can regenerate that's why, no. I don't know. I I'm don't pretty know. sure that. Is your liver regenerate? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that it can. Um, and that's why they like refer to the liver because it can regenerate. Huh. That's why, because right, that would make sense. Because why would sense. his liver regenerate and then a, a eagle would come and eat it if they didn't know that that's how human bodies work? I mean, I know he's a god or whatever, but. It's like, is he a god or is he a demigod? Who? Prometheus. Uh, he is a titan. Titan. A titan. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm sorry. That was a tangent. But. <laughs> All right. Uh, also, uh, in the West, like Western civilization, mm-hmm. uh, Prometheus represents like human striving, overreaching, and mm-hmm. unint- unintended consequences. Okay. So, like, Prometheus is. The Winslow character are young. Right. Yeah. Like, that's the equivalent in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Having seen Prometheus and liking that film, do you feel like it has any relations? No. So, the the film Prometheus <laughs> uses the, the mythology of Prometheus completely differently than, uh, than this movie. Okay. That's interesting. It, I, that was something I was wondering because I didn't see it uses Prometheus as like an alien civilization um, is responsible for human like or creating humanity basically. Okay, cool. All right. So with that, mm-hmm. uh, we have basically this story. If you look at the mythology, mm-hmm. is about Proteus and Prometheus mm-hmm. being stranded on this island having to tend to a lighthouse right (laughs) what do you make of that (laughs) um i personally don't see a link between the two mythologies and how they can interact like i i see how they can interact as far as like like humans go like so with the shapeshiftery and like you can see it's having that power dynamic between the two um where uh Thomas Wake is the, he's not the captain, but he's like, you know, the senior Wakey. Yeah. Um, he, for, in his mind, he is the captain. Right, yeah. right, right, because that's what he's used to. Yeah. But uh, he is a senior Wakey, and so we can see at the first scene where they're eating dinner together, he's like, oh, take a drink with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, Winslow's like, hey, I mean, I don't not want to, but it was under my contract that I... <laughs> am not allowed to drink on the job he's like well i say you can it's like well you can't say that because then you see later in the movie where he writes in his book that he's like drinking on the job and it's literally all the things that he pretty much forced winslow to do and then he's writing him up because he did them and it's like uh like you are in an abusive uh position because of your power dynamic like 
because yeah. you forced him to do it and now he's doing it and now you're punishing for doing the thing that you told him to do. Right, right. Um, so, like, I don't see how that relates to Prometheus as a character. Okay. Uh, but I can see how they relate as far as, like, their human counterpart goes. Does that make sense? Okay, I gotcha. Um, so, yeah, so about that. Yes. All right, so they, that's one... Uh, part of their relationship, you mm-hmm. know, they're like a boss and a subordinate. Subordinate, right? Um, uh, so Thomas Wake, the the boss character, the captain mm-hmm. of this lighthouse, um, he he kind of has his ways, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, he does pressure. Uh, Winslow to drink with him at dinner mm-hmm. but he's like well, that's when we can drink like this uh, is the time to drink okay like it's not clear when he makes the journal entries about Winslow drinking on the job mm-hmm. but after they're stranded like after they don't make it off on right. a deadline then he does drink on the job yes because I feel like at that moment or young feels like well I'm not I'm like extending my contract at this point like I can do pretty much what I want and it's like there's not much to do so he might as well continue with his work until he gets off this goddamn rock (laughs) (laughs) yeah I just think of it like it is overreaching okay he's not being subordinate anymore gotcha so he's being prometheus he's doing too much yeah okay and okay he's gonna be punished for it okay i guess i can (laughs) do that (laughs) so that is one part of their Mm -hmm. relationship is this like work hierarchy Mm -hmm. uh there's also part of their relationship is like father son almost yes uh I imagine you would have something on that because you're always interested in that sort of thing. Well, I mean, as far as, like, father-son goes, like, he's always telling him what to do and expecting, like, almost trying to constantly teach him, like, lessons. Yes. And, you know, like, yes, young is a young man, but he's, like, old enough to know what to do. It's not like he needs to be micromanaged or, like, taught how to do simple things. And at the same time, there were simple things that could have been explained to uh, to Winslow before he started his work. One of them was when he was carrying that giant kerosene uh, can thing yeah. up all the way up the lighthouse. And then last minute, Wake decided to be like, oh, here's a like watering can that you could have used. It's like, well, you could have said that the first day. Like, yeah. In the instructions instead of how of, to do this. Instead of, like, the oil drums, you could have taken the oil can up there. Right. I, okay, so I, I thought that that was just, like, ridiculously stupid of him to do that. <laughs> I mean, yes, but it's like, you don't know like, what you're doing. Who cares if there's no oil can? Like, get some smaller vessel that you can use <laughs> to tote this, this oil up there. Mm-hmm. I thought, I mean, following that... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Willem Dafoe is like, are you a dullard? <laughs> are you a dullard? Well, you certainly have me fooled or something like that. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's pretty dumb. Yes, but I mean, we've established that uh, Ephraim Winslow has the too much gene. Uh, and like, there's the one scene where he's carrying that giant sack of, I don't know what, with the band around his head. Do you remember that? So he's like carrying it on Uh, his back and it's like holding it up. So that is something that they did use within the time period. Uh, But I felt like that's like part of the like too much gene, like trying to like look like he's working real hard to have that band. Like, I don't know how necessary it is. Maybe like, I don't know, maybe on the third week or something like where he's like feeling it like maybe that's necessary yeah i mean he tries to use some tools like we see him like with a wheelbarrow yeah and i mean you know the wheelbarrow just tips over because it's like <laughs> it's a windy the, attack yeah it's windy as hell the, the rocks are slippery you know they're wet as hell um also let me just say this wheelbarrows with one wheel horrible design horrible who did this <laughs> like 
just upgrade that thing to two wheels and you're golden, you know? Well, I feel like it would be harder to maneuver, though. And, like... If one wheel can roll over it, two wheels can roll over it. All right, all right, all right. Uh. (laughs) So they have the father and son relationship that is definitely bothersome to Winslow. Like, he's... He's like Lynn Manuel Miranda. Don't don't call me son. Yeah. Um, but but, oh, <laughs> okay. but it is. I feel like it is Winslow himself, like looking for that diamond dynamic almost. Okay, so he's like perceiving it in that sort of. Sense. Yeah, yeah. He's okay. the one looking at Thomas Wake for for affirmation. Okay. To like, I mean, I guess. In some ways, it's like, oh, if he sees me doing a good job, then he'll let me near the light. Mmm. He really trying to get to that light. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, okay, I guess that kind of makes sense. So mm-hmm. he's, like, almost seeking for that approval, kind of, like, egging on the father-son dynamic. But then when he, like, feels like it's overbearing, he's like, I'm not your son. Like, stop treating me like yeah i need like your approval whatever yeah okay Hmm. um so we have we have boss subordinate we have father son and then we have like the dynamic of almost of a married couple yes been there for a long time i got that um and so (laughs) we specifically see in the lobster scene where he's like you don't like my cooking but then there's like parts when they're like hanging out and they're like dancing and they almost kiss and they fight and it's like they like they like bicker like an old man mm-hmm. couple, you know? Yeah. And then uh I think when uh Winslow like has enough I can't remember what the final blow was, but he's had enough and he's like uh he takes the lifeboat out and then uh and then Thomas Wake is like, Don't leave me with the like little hatchet. He's like, I can't be here by myself, I need you. I wish I could quit you. <laughs> um, yeah, and so we see that in uh, in them, and I think it, that's really funny as far as, like, a relationship goes, but, like, I think it also, like, shows, like, for sailors, I feel like most of them are, you know, they're all men on mm-hmm. a boat. I mean, there's, you know, the old gay joke that uh, the would... Navy are the gays of an army or whatever, the military. Yeah. I'm not gonna put that in. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I read that um, it, some sailors even see it as bad luck to bring a woman on board the ship. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that would make sense. But I feel like with being at sea with, you know, somebody who is not your attraction orientation, uh, you have to find your you're released somewhere somehow and so you're either out there wanking it by yourself in the in the little shed in the back <laughs> to a little plastic uh mermaid or you're like looking for a relation in another human who happens to be your same sex uh so like there's a lot of repression and like i wouldn't say homosexuality in the sense of romantic uh relations but more in like a you know you know i'm just out here to do what i need to do and then like not gay for pay but almost (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there's a term that i came across okay called uh androeroticism okay uh and what that actually is is like like an andro androsexual is someone who is sexually attracted to masculinity right and androeroticism, I think, is very much on portray in this movie mm-hmm. because all of all of the dynamics of their relationship center around different aspects of masculinity. Right. So, like, we're seeing it mainly through Winslow's eyes. I would I would say, mm-hmm. um, and he's uh, seeing Thomas Wake as like this father figure, as like a boss, as um, you know, potentially like an old married partner, mm-hmm. um, and uh, what else do we say? Oh yeah, even like a like a god, right? At yes. various times, mm-hmm. and um, all of these are like formed in like a masculine 
lens. Okay. Uh, like this film to me is very much simply an exploration of masculinity. Yes. And like, like it shows like the fragileness of masculinity almost. Mm-hmm. Like because Winslow as a character, I feel like he's like always on edge. <laughs> Like, he's, like, about to break, like, with everything. Okay. And, I don't know. That's what I thought about. All right. Well, I feel like it also, in the way that it's detailed with uh, with the lens, which we'll go a little bit uh, deeper into that later, um, like, how the camera just, like, grips every gritty, like, uh, cranny of, like, their faces and their, like, garments and whatever they're doing, um, but you see it in black and white, and I feel like that is, like, kind of a very masculine way to see things, hmm. uh, in the sense of, like, it's either right or wrong or, like, black and white, where, like, yeah. I feel like femininity comes with a lot of open-mindedness and more color. Yeah. Um, and it's, like, physically, like, it's it's a gritty or, like, grainy image, Right, too. Yeah. yeah. So, I definitely see that how, like, it can be very centered in masculinity in a different sense of just having two men, you know, be like, I love women. (laughs) (laughs) There is the talk of possession of um, how possessive uh, Thomas Wake is of the light and how, like, that's almost his wife at some sorts. Oh, yeah. Um, Like, you can't go near her. She's mine. Like, you can can man some other other islands... uh, lighthouse but not mine <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. mine like i feel like that's part of the repression where uh he kind of has to find himself pleasure in like a light or like you know where uh Ephraim has the little little totem thing that yeah. you were talking about so scrimshaw scrimshaw <laughs> um and then also you know there's the the giant phallus in the room or on the island <laughs> <laughs> that it's in its own like its own character you know that is one part of the mythology that i felt like i didn't really get mm-hmm. and I, I i will say this so there's like a ton of symbolism in mythology mm-hmm. and i feel like you're not even supposed to get it like it's almost like not connected okay thoroughly okay and i i feel like that is by design Right, yes. Um, I definitely felt like that. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not going to go, like, try to define every little symbol in the movie or anything. But the light and their fixation on it. Mm -hmm. um, And, like, how Winslow is drawn to it. Mm -hmm. Like, I can almost see, like, like Wake's character. You know, this is is what he's devoted his life to for a number of years. Uh, so like yeah i can see why you'd be real possessive of it i guess uh but for winslow it's like he is just drawn to the light Mm. and i don't i don't get that like it kind of clashes with the mythology of uh both proteus and prometheus okay and i mean yes prometheus like god of fire or whatever Mm -hmm. but that i don't know it's like doesn't really connect to me okay uh so yeah i feel like it doesn't connect to the story of prometheus either because like prometheus stole the fire like that makes sense but he stole the fire for mankind yeah and that doesn't make sense because he's stealing it for himself yeah so in the process of the film too i read that uh, neither Willem Dafoe or Robert Pattinson were told what was actually in the light. They were just told how it would make them feel. So none, of, neither of them really had like an image of what to project into the light. And I feel like that kind of shows in the movie because you really don't understand what the light is. Yeah. I mean, like it's something we, different for both of them. We are not privy to the light. Right. Know? Which is kind of cool. I guess. <laughs> like we don't look into it. Mm-hmm. Um, we at some point we are the light at the very end. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool to see how important the light, as far as like a story narrative goes, really plays into the movie. 
Um, but it's just as important in the production of the film. So light specifically, light specifically, like, so, uh, I think you have the aspects a little bit. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, uh, camera wise, they use a a one nineteen one aspect ratio, which I have no idea what that means. (laughs) Um, but it it is a nearly perfect square uh, shape, um, which kind of just frames the images really well Mm -hmm. um and it creates uh it creates like a very uh, almost claustrophobic like frame Mm -hmm. for for each um you know each scene of the film right um uh and then it being in black and white uh it has a orthochromatic aesthetic um and i think that refers to specifically like the the filters that they use yeah. on the cameras. Um, it is this grainy image mm-hmm. that, that picks up. Um, they talked about in the special fe- special features that it picks up like the all red. the blemishes yeah. uh, in your skin. Mm-hmm. It picks up like the, the red tones. Right. Um, and red will appear black mm-hmm. um, in through those filters. So with this film being... Uh, filmed through that lens um, and they're in often they're in like pretty tight spaces yeah or in the dark and yeah and to stay with um, to stay with continuity of the time frame Mm -hmm. uh, you know they're limited in the type of lighting that they can use Uh, that being said they use like just the brightest uh, bulb that they could um, to light very small areas of the scene <laughs> like when they're at dinner uh it's you know it looks just like an oil lamp right on the table but it's actually like a super bright bulb right in this oil lamp it's like so bright that like if it were me and ryan talking like i couldn't even see him because it was so yeah. blinding yeah robert pattinson and willem dafoe like could not see each other <laughs> as they were as they were talking as to they each were other. filming that scene yeah um, I think that's really cool to like have that sort of parallel in the film and in the production. Just having those two, or that one thing, be so important to both the film and the process. Yeah. Because um, I think even the night scenes they would have to film in the daytime because it's it would one it the weather was so rough so they didn't want to accidentally lose somebody in, in the middle of production. But two, it's like. Uh, the light is just so important to capture within that kind of lens that they really wanted to use. And then uh, I did find out that there were um, there were several like nods to like uh, phalluses and like breasts and stuff like that. And um, in order to trade off, uh, in order to film in the aspects that Robert Eggers wanted to do it. Uh, A24 and I believe another investor was like alright but you got we can't have any like nudity or like anything sexual so you have to trade your nudes for your aspects Uh, (laughs) so I thought that was really funny that uh, that they like had to bargain that kind of stuff off because I think it would have been way more explicit had that had they just done a regular film like formatting okay okay i did want to ask you do you did you think did you think these aspect like the aspect ratio and and being in black and white did it distract from the film at all or or did it create like a more immersive experience i feel like it was more immersive because i almost felt like a magnifying glass like i felt like Mm -hmm. everything was so intent and where it needed to look yeah um and then like it, it either was a magnifying glass or it was like a telescope because yeah. there's like several scenes where you're like seeing from afar and you can't even really see anything except for like maybe a tiny layer, a tiny figure, um, which I mean, you're still focused on that one thing, but it's just at a very like far distance where you can't get details. And I feel like you're kind of left to your imagination to be like, okay, this is what I think this is. Okay. Okay. So I think it was more immersive. Okay. You kind of just it was like you're 
direct eyesight. All right, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't decide either way. Okay. When I, when I went to the theater to see it, mm-hmm. and then, like, you know, the screen goes dark, and then the movie comes up, mm-hmm. and I was like, wait, should we move closer? Is this it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's so small hmm, on I the guess... screen. Maybe in big string it might be a little bit more distracting because because it's so small, but you're it's so like expanded. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like trying to play like I don't know like Nintendo sixty four or whatever or like on like a big wide screen where it just was not meant for that kind of specs. So it's just like large and you can't see anything. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Like you don't know where to focus. Yeah. So that would make sense that it, it would be more distracting in. The theater than at home yeah okay so with the specs i felt like there were just some shots that i just kind of want to highlight okay um uh first of all the first shot where you where we're going to the island and we see the little light in the distance mm-hmm. that's just absolutely amazing i want that as like a poster <laughs> or something that is so cool um uh okay so there's the one where um where winslow cashes uh wake at the lighthouse for the first time and you he sees his like naked body against the glass and then you see uh winslow and then you see the shadow of uh of wake behind him and i think that's such a really cool shot like i don't think it's supposed to be an easter egg but it almost felt like that because it almost felt like we were seeing something we weren't supposed to see yeah uh yeah but behind him yeah yeah i thought that was really cool i did notice that that's that's a really good image I love the one where he is being dropped off and he's watching the boat go away, but we as the audience is the boat, so he's like straighting or uh, staring like right at us. Like, oh, yeah, like the Wes Anderson. Yeah, almost. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I love that in that sense. Yeah. Uh, And then I, I always think that would be like a, you know, like in Harry Potter, like the portraits or like photos mm-hmm. like, like move i always thought that, that would be a really cool <laughs> like photo, photo to move. Yeah. yeah um and then counterpart when they are waiting for the new boat to arrive they're just like standing in the rain and they're just so it reminds me of that one song from uh from welcome tonight that was like waiting for the bus and the bus in the rain waiting <laughs> for the bus in the rain um yeah i feel and- bad for them because they're like just standing out there on this cliff side just being pummeled by the yeah. wind and the rain. <laughs> Dude, it looked like Robert Pattinson was like a kindergartner, like so excited <laughs> to go to school, but it's like the worst day or something. <laughs> uh, my favorite like cinematic moment in the movie mm-hmm. is after Winslow kills the, the gull um, on the cistern. <laughs> uh, the camera uh, like slowly pans uh, through like the length of like the building of the lighthouse mm-hmm. and then gets to the the tower itself and like slowly pans or it doesn't move i guess it moves mm-hmm. um, moves vertically up the lighthouse okay. and gets all the way to like the weather vane on the top before it you see it like start spinning and the wind shifts at yeah. that moment um i i love like that camera movement yeah i think it's really good yeah Yeah. i feel like it kind of like builds suspense as far as like the the storm that's coming but it also like is referring back to how the lighthouse is built like a penis (laughs) (laughs) yeah because he definitely like that is like um like a masculine release Right. When he kills that goal, you know? Yes. Like, that is, like, a, a His... orgasmic <laughs> moment. <laughs> yeah. So, talking about the storm. Um, one scene that I felt was, like, really cool and foreshadowing the storm was... Um, so, I don't know what the well is called. The cistern. Cis- the cistern. Yeah. So, he was putting that white powder in there. Yeah. And I think that's, like, lime or something. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. Um, anyways, he, and he goes to like spin her around and Mm -hmm. then that itself looks like, uh, like a satellite image of a storm. Yes. I caught that as well. And so I was like, dude, that's so cool. And then, so that one, uh, foreshadows the storm. And then. In that place too, it foreshadows. That's where he kills the goal. Right. Yeah. 
Um, so it kind of, one, it foreshadows a storm that might be coming. And then when he kills the goal, it's almost like that's the staple in in the package. Like, yeah. it's a done deal. The storm Stamped is coming. Up. Yeah. Been approved. <laughs> um, so, and the goal that is already in the, what she says, cistern? Yeah. Um, could highlight, I don't know if that was the goal, because I know there was a goal without an eye. Yeah. And that's supposed to sim- symbolize the, the assistant that Wake had before him. So I don't know if the goal inside of it was that I, goal? I think the one that he killed was right. the one I go. Okay. So, hmm. Okay. I'm trying to see if it's like the goal, like being like, this is what happened to me. Or, because I think that goal who's inside floating in the cistern is also supposed to symbolize uh, the body that Winslow had seen the first time in yeah. the water. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I do like the, I do like the, the addition of the goals because uh, I feel like it kind of one throws me back to when we were watching the birds yeah um, and it's just so much more elevated <laughs> than the birds on that uh, film um, but two so so they didn't use live birds for the scenes um, in person so they did have live birds who were trained to do certain scenes but they had to digitally alter those birds yeah because they were in a different country yeah um, but I think it's really cool to have them just kind of be like this sort of sinister thing that people are afraid of. Like Wins or not Winslow. Wake is just so afraid of the goals. But like he's trying to be really mask about it. Like be like, oh, it's not me who's scared. It's it's just tradition to be scared. Almost. Well, yeah, it's almost not. It's just like, oh yeah, they're there. Just leave them alone. <laughs> like, that's what you do. Uh, yeah, so the, the goals themselves are one element of like the sound design that I thought really stood out. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the goals are like omnipresent. Like They're always there when right. you're outside of the lighthouse. Um, we also hear this like just incessant foghorn whenever the weather is bad. Uh, it's very present at the beginning of the movie as they're getting to the island um, and the you know the foghorn is just like <sighs> yes yeah, just this awful <sighs> sound uh, there is I think it's the first scene inside the lighthouse Winslow is just walking around like the kitchen dining area mm-hmm. and like his footsteps are just like so such a crisp sound yeah it's like I don't know just such an echoing footstep um i don't know the sound design was like really well done right and uh, especially for a film that didn't have much music really i mean it had like it's like it felt like the score just didn't even feel like music it just felt like like sounds you would hear and they just harmonized at one point, <laughs> you know yeah so uh there is actually a really funny moment um I think it's it's on the second day that we we are there. Like, you know, they get there the first day. Uh, we see their dinner scene, um, and then the next morning, I think there's like the water leak or whatever in okay. the roof. Yeah. Um, uh, that same day, uh, we hear Thomas Wake fart, <laughs> which you know he farts throughout the movie. Yeah. But we he farts and it has like this audio transition into like this droning sound uh, and we're outside the lighthouse yeah. and I'm like I've never seen that before like a, like a fart transition yeah <laughs> it's almost like um fucking uncut gems where you transition to don't bring up <laughs> um so the farts aren't farts that you've ever heard in any other film they were created specifically for this <laughs> film and I guess some magazine or somebody try, tried to interview um, the sound master to be like, well, how did you make them? And he's like, I ain't telling nobody and I'm taking this to the grave. <laughs> I don't know nothing. Um, I thought that was pretty funny and something I feel like I would do. <laughs> That's insane. That's hilarious. Um, but yes, parts. So 
as crazy as this movie is, in kind of slow pace, this movie's hilarious. It has some great dialogue between the two, and, like, even the dialogue alone, like, the accents alone, like, he could say anything, Willem Dafoe could say anything, and, dude, you're like, what the fuck are you saying to me? (laughs) And, um, I just feel like, aside from the, like, the farts, there's, like, the poop that he throws in the morning when he's, like, really drunk, and the wind is just blowing the opposite way, and he's like, fuck! (laughs) And, um, it just reminds me of Swiss Army Man. So, like, there's kind of, like, this art is fart kind of movement with these kind of indie films a little bit. Um, Or not movement, but, like, there seems to be a lot of that kind of presence. Like, I feel like any movies try not to be, like, too serious, and they're like, I'm not above a fart joke, but, like, there are movies that, like, fart jokes are kind of just a throw-in versus, like, this is, like... It's not a throw-in to me. Like, I feel like it's necessary to be, like, th- this is how ridiculous this life can be. Like, stinky farts. Like, yes, that's funny. If you're with someone who farts constantly, you have to get, like, used to it. You can't just be like, stop farting. Like, that's not, like, something you could tell somebody to do. <laughs> it's like, but you're going to be fed up and be like, I hate your stinky old farts. Yeah. I think that's just hilarious. <laughs> the, the hilarity of life and body itself. Like, okay. I think I love how that's captured in this film. Okay. Alright. That's your whole diatribe on farts? Yes. All right. I love farts. Aside from the farts, mm-hmm. I think there's also comedy in the, like I said, in the dialogue. There was this one where he's, uh, I think he's carrying something up. It might have been the the gasoline or whatever and uh wake is like son catch your breath but he like blows smoke in his face (laughs) (laughs) it's like dude like that's so messed up how are you gonna tell him to like catch his breath but then like infect his body with carbon monoxide or dioxide whatever um there's also like the scene with the bird where um he's standing in front of the door and uh winslow's like shoot shoot he's like there's this little bird thing where it's like, dum, 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 dum. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Okay, the pinnacle scene where they're like, what? Oh, yeah. What? <laughs> over and over again. Um, and then when they're dancing, like, they're just... So, we found out that uh, Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe took dancing classes for this film. And it's like, the dancing classes is... Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I think I find... That scene hilarious, and then that fact hilarious, because it's like, you really didn't have to go yeah. the the full bar for that. <laughs> <laughs> when he, uh, when he's trying to steal the key yeah. from, uh, Wake, and then he has his shoes in his back pocket, and he's like, that's a queer way to wear shoes. <laughs> and then he, like, goes back to sleep. Dude, that's hilarious. Uh, that's one of my, like, favorite, like, little subtle moments in the in the movie uh so he uh winslow is trying to get the lightkeeper's journal right right he he gets that knife and yeah. he uh which he, he steals on the job yeah he stole the knife did he break it or yes it i think break? He, no he did break it trying to he it broke trying to open the lighthouse okay that's what happens so he takes the knife mm-hmm. he wants to get to the light uh that's when he takes the shoes off right yes uh, and he breaks the knife in the lock of the light itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he's like, well, shit, I guess I'll just, I'll try to get the journal. So he goes to get the journal. He opens, he picks the lock with the knife, uh, but the journal's not in there. He goes up um, to the bedroom and Wake has it. He's sleeping. He has it on his chest. Mm-hmm. Um, and he creeps up to him and he starts to like grab the book. And then he sees the keys. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, let me actually get these keys. Okay. And then he reaches, and then he's like, wait, he's asleep, and I have this knife. <laughs> it, you, you can, like, just in the subtle camera movement, yeah. you can see where his mind is. Right. It goes from the journal to the keys to killing him <laughs> in, like, I don't know, 40 seconds. Right. You know? 
overall, I feel like the comedy just really benefited with how professional both Robert um, Patterson and Willem Dafoe are. Like, they are hilarious on their, by themselves. They're both uh, really, like, hardworking actors in different aspects. Um, mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe, being a theater kind of nerd, he, uh, he loves, like, being expressive. While, like, Robert uh, Patterson, he just, like, loves being weird. Uh, so I felt like they really just were bouncing off each other, just the hilarity between each other. Yeah, and I, I mean, I feel like the comedy in the movie only works because they're committed so, right. so well, you know. Like, they're they're in it. Yeah, he's like, you goddamn farts! <laughs> <laughs> like, if they're not in it, it's just ridiculous line after ridiculous line. Right. All right, any... Uh, anything else? Any like fun facts or anything like that? Um, so I did learn that the town in which the lighthouse was being built in, they loved the lighthouse so much that I think they really liked how it just looked. And I think they also thought it would bring tourism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they wanted to keep it. But, I mean, overall, it was just made out of wood. And they're like, now nah, we have to bring it down. And so uh, yeah. the whole town of Little Nova Scotia was like, sad uh, um and i found out that the mermaid carving the what's it called the scrimshaw the scrimshaw was auctioned by a uh 24 for one hundred and ten thousand dollars and seven hundred and fifty one hundred and ten thousand seven hundred fifty dollars yes wow which is insane which hold on i wanted to see how much it compared to the flower dress from yeah how much was the flower dress the final bid was 65000 for the dress. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the the Little Mermaid carving yes. was twice the price of the flower dress in Midsummer. Yes. That's insane. Does the flower dress have real flowers? I, I don't think so. That's stupid. That is stupid. <laughs> That's stupid to pay $110,000 for that. Yes. Because, like I said, they broke it in the movie, so they had to have more than one. Right. It's just a prop. Right. I don't know, man. Man. Damn, rich people. Uh, if you guys want to auction off any of these props for $110,000. Yeah, yeah, this bobby pin. $200. That's a real used bobby pin right there. <laughs> um, all right. Is that everything? You want to get into our ratings? Yeah, that is um, really crazy. But, yes. Okay. Um, Alright. So, overall, Ryan, what did you rate this movie? Alright, so um, this was a very difficult movie to rate. Mm -hmm. um, Because I didn't... There's nothing wrong with the film. Right. Uh, There's no... Nothing stands out. There's nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I like the movie. Yes. Uh, It is very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like laugh your pants off funny, but it almost is at the same time. Oh, I could see it being like a cult classic because of yes. of how ridiculous the dialogue is at, at times, mm-hmm. and and Willem Dafoe's accent especially. Uh, that being said, it's very difficult to rate this movie. Uh, I like it better than what I rated it. Okay, the first time? No. No. I like it better. Than the rate that you than, have for it. Than the now. rating that I'm giving it. Okay. Interesting. Um, I'm, I'm going to give it a 6.5. A 6.5? It's a 6.5, yeah. Okay. All right. So Why? So, you need to explain this. So for what it is... Mm-hmm. The story that it tells, mm-hmm. I feel like it's a little, a little. It's very dense okay. with symbolism and mythology mm-hmm. that doesn't entirely add up. And I feel like it's not entirely necessary. Okay. So if you're going to tell a story that explores masculinity, I feel like you can do it in a deeper way that doesn't focus on so much of this like facade of mythology okay i just feel like you could do this movie better in a more simpler manner yeah okay 
that's all. all like right. it's it's a fine film. So that knocks it down four points. No, but I mean I can't give it a ten. It's not a ten. Okay. It's just not. Dang. I might have to rethink mine if I look at the board, but is that all you want to say to explain yourself? That that's it. Like I love films like this that like get to like the core of a person's character of their personality or whatever mm-hmm. and i feel like this is what this movie wants to do but it just focuses too much on all these external things that don't have to do with it okay that's all dang i feel like it's quite the opposite really yeah i felt like i don't know i didn't find anything distracting or like taking away from it i mean i felt like the mythology was just kind of like fun poppins um okay like like i feel like it's mixing two stories like you said like like the characters are both of them are like the main characters of their own story we're just seeing it mainly through winslow so they both have two narratives kind of contradicting towards each other you know Uh i feel like and it's very explicit with the way winslow kind of just like twists or no, the way that Wake twists Winslow's like story around. Okay. Um, can I can I say this really quick? Yes. All right. So like, okay, in Black Swan, they use like camera tricks. Mm-hmm. It's in Nina's perspective, mm-hmm. and she thinks she sees things right that she doesn't actually see. Mm-hmm. And I feel like by the end of the movie and rewatching it, you know, it rewards watching it multiple times. You kind of you you get to understand the story better. Mm-hmm. But with something like this, like, we see Willem Dafoe uh, limping, running back into the lighthouse mm-hmm. with the axe. Mm-hmm. And then he slams the axe on the table. Mm-hmm. And then he tells Winslow that he just chased him with an axe. Right. But that's not what we saw at all. Okay. And I don't know what happened. So you're left confused on whether what it's happened like or not. purposefully confusing. Okay. But I like that. I feel like that's how I feel about American Psycho. Like, I don't really know what... To, like, I'm being gaslighted by Willem Dafoe. Okay. Well... Like, okay. Well... We'll get into American Psycho <laughs> in due time. But having watched it as many times as I have watched mm-hmm. it, I thoroughly understand what happens in American Psycho. Okay. This movie, I could watch it a bazillion times, and I don't know. That's the fun. That's the mystery. <laughs> but the, there's no answer. Okay. Like, you can read it one way or the other, but there is no answer. Okay. And I feel like with the art house movies that I like, there is an answer to get to. Okay. And this one is not it. All right. Well, dang. Um, I came at, at a 9.7. <laughs> um, okay. I just, okay, so I did find it very difficult to place the plot because, like you said, there's no answer. So I was like, I don't know where to, like, really be like, well, this is right, this is wrong. Like, as far as the plot goes, there's no plot holes because there's no end goal to get anywhere. So I can't be like, well, this can't happen because this can't happen. Yeah. So I, I put that as a nine because I felt like the okay. story was not clear, but it was not meant to be clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't like a mess. Like I didn't yeah. feel like things were just like placed in for no reason. And then, you know, we never hear about it ever again. Yeah. Um, cinematography, 10. Dialogue, 10. I could not understand a single word that <laughs> Willem Dafoe said, but... I mean, that's not my job. Uh, uh, I think the editing was fantastic. Um, I couldn't find one scene. I was like, that was unnecessary. Uh, Originality, like, I I can't even fathom another movie like this. Yeah. Um, Sound, we all talked about about being fantastic setting. Um, That was the one where I kind of struggled with, but I did feel like, for what they created, the setting felt real. I mean, the weather conditions were real. Yeah. The location was real. They did have to create two of the same um, like sets, sets yeah. um, because the weather conditions were so bad. 
Um, but I found that too. Um, also, um, one of the things I absolutely loved was the fashion okay. because like, because the color wasn't like so prominent in this film, they had to like go with textures and like, yeah. even before we watched the special features, there was that one sweater that, uh, that Willem Dafoe was wearing. It has like some little cross stitching up here. And I was mm -hmm. like, dude, that's like, that's a sick ass sweater. Like, I don't even know what color it is, but I know <laughs> that sweater is like the most bomb sweater I've ever seen in my life. You just know it's like a, a brown or like a Right. <laughs> like, it just like looks so cool. Uh, and like, even with the special features, like going, delving into it, I felt like it was really cool how they created everything by hand themselves versus like scouring to like yeah. find it. Yeah. Um, so that's on setting. And then characters, I mean, they're great. <laughs> yeah, they're great characters. Um, my only thing was like the pace. I did find the first time watching it was really slow and kind of boring. The second time I enjoyed it a little bit more, so I was more engaged. Uh, yeah. But I can see this like, I'm not going to be like, oh, I really want to watch the lighthouse like i'm exactly so i had to put it at, an, at a nine okay so both pace and enjoyment were like one point away but i did find like i do i do feel like i would want to watch it but it will be like a long time from now it's not gonna be like i'm gonna put this movie on to go to sleep because it's gonna go rah, rah, rah. <laughs> you know it's like annoying but like sometimes i want to be annoyed yeah so okay so the first time i watched it it was super slow mm -hmm. watching it with you i was more like the first time watching it with you i was more interested in your reaction to okay. the movie than actually watching the movie itself right uh this time around like i sat down i wanted to take notes and i felt like it was just going so fast in the beginning right i was like what the hell like this is the same movie that i watched the <laughs> like i don't know just uh everything was moving so fast it felt like mm -hmm. um I don't have a problem with the pace. It's really like I I I enjoy the movie, but I don't want to recommend it to anyone. Yes. I don't want to seek it out and watch it again. Like, you know, I will watch it again at some point. Yes. But it's going to be a while. Yes, it will definitely be a while. Yeah. I don't know. I like it. Right. But not every movie I like is a is a ten, you know? Okay, okay. All right. Well, I mean mine isn't a ten, it's just way higher than yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's damn near a ten. <laughs> yeah. Alright. Uh, what is your one favorite thing about the movie? Alright, my one favorite thing. Okay, so I feel like collectively we have a favorite thing that I've made my ringtone and that is when he's like why just spell your beans? <laughs> <laughs> Which, I, like, that is just hilarious to be, like, almost a tagline to your movie. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> um, two, okay, so there's a very specific scene. So I think it's right after he, like, curses Winslow for not liking his lobster. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, right after he says everything in his hand is, like... Like this, like shaking, dude. I'm obsessed with that because okay. he's just like so filled with rage and he just released everything. He's just like tormenting his body. Like it's just shaking so hard. And that's all you see. And then you just see like Winslow being like, okay, well, have it your way. I like your lobster. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. So my, my one favorite thing about this movie, uh, it's never really mentioned or referred to, but you see... Uh, Willem Dafoe, like, it's, it's late one night, mm -hmm. and he's, like, in his rocking chair or something, and he's oh, knitting. Oh, yeah. And, like, that is just so funny to me. He learned to knit for this film. <laughs> <laughs> for, for that 25 seconds of yeah. screen time knitting right there. It's just, like, so fast. It's just so funny. It. Yeah. It's so funny. Um, Aw. Yeah, that's it. I love Willem Dafoe. Yeah, Willem Dafoe is fantastic. Yeah. Um, All right. Well... We are nearing the end to this film, which means we are getting to the part where we recommend the next film we will be reviewing. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, this movie is in black and white. We decided to uh, stick with black and white films for mm -hmm. our next movie. There's a lot of them to choose from. We try to get like more modern movies. Yes. Um, and we narrowed it down to these three movies, none of which you have seen before. No, I've, I've seen like 
spots where I've tried to watch them, but I've never like okay. actually finished them. All right, none of which you have sat down and watched before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's very exciting. They are very different movies yes. from each other. It's very different. So A, we have A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Um, came out in 2014. It's directed by Annalily Amirpour. I believe so. Uh, and I believe this kind of is a tale about a girl and she encounters some vampires? Something like that. Yeah. She yeah. like It's yeah. a, I believe uh, she's Iranian. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like a Persian language film. Yes. Um, I mean, and, it looks sick. Yeah. It, I've seen it. I've only seen it one time, like, when it came out, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has just a fantastic aesthetic. Okay. Um, I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, B option is going to be Clerks, <laughs> which is very different. Um, <laughs> it, it came out in 1994, believe that, directed by Kevin Smith, your boy, my boy. Uh <laughs> No, I've never seen a film with him. Um, he, I just know he directed a couple episodes of Degrassi. Um, okay. <laughs> anyways, um, that is about some clerks at a convenience store and the little shenanigans that they get into. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. yeah. Um, haven't seen this film. <laughs> and let's see, we have Francis Ha uh, came out in 2012. It's directed by Noah Bombach. Bombach. And this is a coming-of-age kind of story as far as I know. Um, yeah, with, I've never seen it. With honestly. Greta Gerwig. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So those are your three options. A, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. B, Clerks. And C, Francis Ha. Yes. Well done. Um, and yeah, so that's pretty much it for this episode. Yes. Uh, we want to thank you, as always, for watching our videos. Um, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel. And the most important thing you can do for us is like share us with your friends. and Give just, us a nice little like. Yeah, like the videos, because that, that is very important. Um, and yeah, you can also follow us on social media when I'm... Yep. Um, so on social media, on Instagram, we are There Will Be Podcast, and we will do the uh, weekly votes there. Um, we are also present on Twitter. We are Pod From Basket. You can also pick your movie there. And then if you also want to just comment the movie in the in the video, we would also appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then we are also now on Spotify and Google Podcasts and most any other uh, podcast applications in which you <laughs> listen to other podcasts in, <laughs> um, except Apple. Yeah. So, yes. So follow us there. Follow us on YouTube. And yeah. It's not us. It's Apple. Yes, it's not us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's that's it. That's it. Thank, Thank you, you so again. much. Uh, we stay, appreciate it. Stay tuned for some parting words. Yes, parting words. <laughs> ready? Get ready for those. Yeah, get ready. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Can I trust you? Don't be spilling beans with me, Mark. Do it again. Not, not interesting. <laughs>